For those of you joining us online, good morning. Wherever you're joining us from, welcome to Crossroads. You are part of our family, our friends, right? Even though we can't all be together. For those of you in person, it's good to see most of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many of you in person, this is your first time being in the building since we did it? What do you think? Pretty cool? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thanks for uh, that. Thanks for being here. Those of you that are home, we wish you could be here, right? But uh, obviously, we all know the season that we're in. It's not safe for everybody to be out, and rightly so. We stand with you um, as you protect yourself. And listen, we will get through this, right? We will get through this. Today we're concluding a two-part message series called Holy Ground. Hopefully you tuned in last week if you couldn't be here live. It was our very first experience in this building since it's been renovated, and uh, it was quite different than we ever expected, right? But we have no doubt that God is in charge and He knows what is going on. He knew it. Before we ever knew what COVID was, he knew our very first day here after remodeling and renovation would be in this space. And if you didn't click in last week or you weren't here, listen, we said this is holy ground. It's holy ground, not because of the dirt being special, but because holy means set apart and this place has been set apart, get this, since 1838. When this property at 119 North Broad Street was purchased for $150. And we reaffirmed last week that this place at 119 North Broad Street is still holy ground. Set apart, yeah. Set apart to do God's work. That's what holy means, set apart. How many of you know the commandment? that says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. How many of you know that at home? You can type in chat. We want you to participate. It's more fun when you do. How many of you know what commandment number that is? <laughs> number five. It's number five. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. In other words, keep it set apart to worship God, to recalibrate, to refocus, to put God first. That's why we gather. God kept Sunday holy. Now, <laughs> this is interesting. Last week we looked at Exodus chapter 3 verse 5 where God was speaking to Moses. He was speaking to Moses from a burning bush. And as Moses began to come towards the voice of this burning bush that burn up, burnt, but it didn't burn up, God told him to stop and take off your sandals for you are on holy ground. Holy ground, set apart. But he was doing this for Moses for a reason. How many of you know a lot about Moses? How many of you know most about Moses from watching the Ten Commandments when you were a kid? Do you realize, listen, 1956 is when the Ten Commandments movie came out with Charlton Heston. Remember him? I didn't know who he was as a kid, but I remember seeing that every year. And I really grew up thinking that Moses looks like Charlton Heston. I mean, that's just, that's just my deal. But I didn't know that much about Moses, but there's so much more to learn about this mighty leader that God used that made the headlines, and we all know whatever we know about him, right? But there was so much I didn't know. 
Matter of fact, I, I want to share with you 10 things that you might not know about Moses. This will be interesting if you know these things or not. But did you know that Moses was the first abandoned child ever to be recorded in Scripture? Did you know that? He was abandoned as a child. His parents hid him for three months to protect him from the Egyptian, right? From the Egyptian edict that said all male Hebrew children must be killed. And when they could no longer hide him, you know what they did? They, his mama put him in a basket and sent him down the Nile River and prayed that someone would find him and raise him so he wouldn't be killed. Did you know that was the Moses that we're going to talk about today? Pharaoh's daughter paid Moses, right? Paid Moses' mother to nurse him while she rescued him from the Nile River. Did you know that? Moses was the baby of the family. How many babies of the family? At home, here, babies of the family. Listen, Moses was a baby of the family. Did you know this about Moses? He was a murderer. Did you know Moses actually killed somebody? He intervened and he killed the Egyptian to hide his crime. He buried the victim in the sand. That was the same Moses. Did you know it's very likely that Moses stuttered? You say, how would I know he stuttered? Because I heard him when Charlton Heston... No, 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 no. no. <laughs> the Bible says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, when God was telling Moses, you're the one who I picked to lead my people, right? He told God, I'm not very good with my words. I I'm not very good with my words. I never have been. I'm not even now. Even though, God, you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, he said. And my words, they get... Tangled. So Moses was trying to convince God, you got the wrong guy. Like, I, I stutter. I can't even talk right. And did you know this? During the burning bush episode, Moses gave five, five lame excuses to God while he, why he couldn't be Israel's deliverer. And not surprisingly, God rebutted every one of his excuses. Did you know this about Moses? Moses physically saw God. Did you know that? With his own eyes. They said if you saw God, you would die. Moses saw him and he didn't die because God spared him, right? But Moses saw God. And Moses knew in advance, get this, I'm not sure I'd want to know this. You can type in chat whether you would want to know this or not. And those of you live, how many of you would want to know, if possible, the day you were going to die? Two or three of you, really? You would want to know. I'm not sure I would. How many in chat? You'd say, yeah, I, I'd like to know. Did you know Moses knew the day of his death? You can read this later in Deuteronomy chapter 31, but it talks about that he went and God told him where to go. And you could go there to that place. They're not exactly sure, but the region, they know exactly the, the mountain where God told him to go. And you could, if you could find the exact spot, dig up his bones. They knew, he knew he was going to die then. And then how many of you knew this about Moses, that he wrote the Ten Commandments? You knew that? Yeah, he didn't. God wrote the Ten Commandments. But Moses was there. He gave them to Moses, right? So that was kind of a trick question. I feel bad, but not really. Not really. Moses is one of the most misinterpreted, but I think also most interpreted characters in all the Bible. I mean, we know so much about him, but yet I think we don't know as much as we think we know about him. For some reason, I always think that these great Bible giants were so great 
and they are, that their faith was so great, and it is, but they were human. The more you learn about them, it's like learning about people. The more you really get to, when you first meet people, you're like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, I love everything about them. And then the more you get to know them, you're like, man, I don't really think that. And I didn't realize they did this or they did that. They said that, right? I mean, the longer you keep the microscope over somebody, the more you learn. The face-to-face moment that Moses had with God is the slice that I want us to look at today. If you have your Bibles or those of you that are in person, you can watch up on the screen. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 4. I'm going to begin in verse 2. Those of you that are home, you can just grab your Bible and go there yourself, right? But before we get to that, here's what I want to say to everyone at home and everybody that's here. My prayer for every single one that hears this message today is that it impacts your heart in such a way that you'll never, ever forget it. Not the message, per se, but the meaning of the message for your life. For your life. And I'm praying for every single person listening today, or that will tune in sometime this week, that God's going to speak to you, because He certainly has to me. So whether you're in this room I pray this for you, whether you're tuning in live or it's after the fact, I'm praying for you as well, that you really take away what God has for you today. So here's what I want you to do before we even get into this message. I'm going to ask you to say these words with me. If you're at home, and you can type them if you want, but say them. If you're live, say them. Say, God, use me. Let's do it again. God, use me. Keep that in mind as we go through this today. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. The Lord said to Moses, this was face to face. I can't even imagine. Because they say you can't even take the glory, right? We just can't even fathom what it would be like. And it was always said that if you met face to face, you couldn't even stand it, you would die. Face to face, the Lord said to Moses, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Put yourself in Moses' sandals as they speak. What's in your hand, Moses? And Moses said, a stick. A stick, why? He was a shepherd at that point. This was a very important tool to a shepherd. How many of you know when God asks you a question, he's not seeking information? Do you get that? When God says, what is that? He knew, right? He's not looking for information. He's wanting us to respond. He's wanting to make sure we understand. What's in your hand, Moses? And Moses said, it's a stick. Now, this isn't recorded this way, but I'm thinking if I was Moses, although remember, again, face to face, isn't there a part of you that would be like, well, duh, Like, you're standing right here, God, and you know everything. Like, you know what it is. It's a stick. It's my shepherd's staff. God says, Moses, throw it down. (laughs) Throw it down. I don't believe Moses would have wanted to throw it down. 
I don't even, we don't know if he threw it down immediately or he didn't throw it down immediately. But I know if I was Moses, I'm not sure. You know why? Number one, if Moses was walking, if he was up and awake, he had this shepherd's stick. It was a way for him to protect his flock. It was a way for him to use it to keep enemies away, to keep other wild animals away. It was a way for him to gently guide the sheep or whoever he was tending to. It was like his right hand. It really was. It helped him walk. It wasn't just a walking stick. Listen, to a shepherd, this was the most vital tool you could ever have. Speaking of tools, we said last week that this building is just a tool. It's a tool to do God's work. This shepherd's stick that Moses had in his hand was just a, st a tool. You wouldn't leave home without it. And for all Moses knew, he didn't know what God was wanting to do, but he wants him to throw it down. And he, listen, we don't know if Moses thought, wow, I can't get rid of that. Like, God, if anything else that you could have me throw down, could it be something else? Throw it down. But God, I've had this a long time. Throw it down. It's my favorite. Throw it down. It's been handed down from my family. Throw it down, Moses. It's been... I need it. Throw it down, Moses. I don't know how Moses threw it down. But if he's anything like you or I would be, there was some hesitancy. I don't know what might be your prized possession, but think of that, whether it's a thing or maybe even a person, and God says, throw it down. That would have been where Moses was at. Moses throws it down, and immediately it becomes a snake. Now, can you imagine? David Copperfield ain't got nothing on God. He throws it down. His, it was just in his hand. He throws it down. Instantly, it turns into a snake. Can you imagine? You know what the Bible says Moses did? He ran. No kidding. Me too. I hate snakes. He jumps back, normal reaction. What was just in my hand, that's my most vital tool, is now a snake. God says, pick it up. Pick the snake up, Moses, by its tail. <laughs> God, didn't you make the snake? God, have you ever watched Steve Irwin, when he was alive, remember? You don't pick up a snake by its tail. Where do you pick up a snake? Behind its head. So can't you imagine? Yeah, go ahead, Moses, pick that up <laughs> by the tail. <laughs> oh, God, you're so funny. And they say you don't have a sense of humor, that you're always serious. Yeah, pick it up by the tail, Moses. How long do you think it would have taken Moses to bend over and pick up that snake by its tail? We don't know. But the Bible says he bends down and he picks it up. My guess is by the tail. He had no idea what was going to happen because when you pick a snake up by its tail, it wants to wrap around and bite the hand that holds it. 
but he did. And what happens? <laughs> Moses put out his hand, he caught it or picked it up, and it became a stick in his hand again. Real in-person magic trick, right? But I want to get you to think about something that you may have never thought about before. Moses didn't pick up the same stick. He said, well, of course you did. No, I beg to differ. You see, it was Moses' stick when he threw it down. It was Moses' stick in his hand. But when he threw it down because God told him to, and then to pick it up when it became a snake, and it turned back into a stick, it didn't just come back to a stick. It was now God's stick. You see, when you and I hold on to things that God wants us to let go of, and we refuse to let go, it stays ours. When you open up your hand and give it to God, or throw it down, or lay it down, and you dedicate it to God, it becomes his. God was preparing Moses to be used in a mighty way. Preparing the one, Moses, who'd never thought he was qualified. He was preparing the one that when God told him, he had five excuses why I'm not the guy. I'm not talented enough. I can't speak well enough. I'm too old. I'm not that great of a leader. I think you got the wrong guy. God wasn't just showing Moses that I've got the right guy. He was showing Moses just with that, throw it down, pick it up. It's a snake. Now it's back a stick, but it's not the same stick you threw down. It's my stick. In other words, I'm with you, Moses. I'm not asking you to lead alone. I'm with you. I got you. If I called you, I will equip you. It's not just your qualities, but it's you and I together. You following me? But God was also letting the people around Moses that was going to hear this story know that God had his finger on this guy. Look at verse 5. The Lord said, by seeing this, they, they, the other people, the people that might doubt you, like you doubt you, they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has shown himself, that God that's created all this and all these people, has shown himself to you, Moses. I wonder how many of you at home and how many of you in, in person. Wonder if God could use you to make a difference. Think you have enough talent that God could use you to impact another life. I wonder how many of you think, no, I'm too old, I'm out of my prime. I don't have all the talent that some other folks have. I'm not a very good public speaker, so I couldn't do that. I'm not very musical, so I couldn't do that. I'm not whatever it is that you tell yourself that you're not, and you want to convince God that I'm not the person to do that. That's reserved for other people. 
Moses was about as ordinary as they get. If you're ordinary, you're qualified. If you're committed to him. And using what, listen, how many of you realize you shouldn't be surprised? You ever told God, to like, God, I can't do that. I'm not as good at that. Do you realize God's not going, duh. I made you. I know exactly what talents you have. I know exactly the abilities you have. I gave them to you. I know what you don't have. You know why you don't have it? Because I didn't give it to you. (laughs) Can I tell you about you? You're unique. You're handmade by God. There's not another person like you that's ever been on this planet nor ever will be. Can I also tell you something about you? The talents you have, the abilities that you have, the resources you have wasn't given to you by God just to make a living and retire and die. He wants you to be a part of something that's going to last for eternity, which is him and other people. And he wants to use what he's given you to impact people. And you're qualified to do what God has called you to do. Listen, when you throw down your time, your talents, and your abilities, and you dedicate them to God, (laughs) what you pick up is not the same thing you laid down. It's no longer just a stick. It becomes God's stick. (laughs) Listen, not only was that holy ground that Moses was on, wasn't holy because it was special. It was holy because God was telling Moses, it's time to set yourself apart to do what I've called you to do. This property at 119 North Broad Street is not holy because the dirt is special. It's holy because it's been set apart to do God's work. The only way we're going to do in this place And in this community, what God wants us to do is if every Christ follower that calls this your church home throws down what you have and say, God, use that and use me to impact your kingdom for all eternity. You might think you're too young, you're not. You might think you're too old, you're not. You might not think you're talented enough, you are. You might not think you're smart enough, smart enough, you are. I can't speak well. I'm shy. I'm this. I'm not that. Remember those things I shared with you that you may not have known about Moses when we began this? He was a murderer. He stuttered. He wasn't valedictorian of his class, I can guarantee you. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. You get that? The last thing on earth, if you'd have gave me a list and said, make a million things, Scott Winstead, when I was in high school, of what you'll do to make a living, what you'll do, what you'll invest your life in for the rest of your life, 
I, I would have had a million things and I wouldn't put what I'm doing on that list. You following me? What about you? What about you? Can I tell you something else about you? If you're taking notes at home or here, however you're doing your thing, every one of us has this in common. We all have a stick in our hand. We might have several sticks. You've got time in your hand. You've got talents in your hand. You've got resources that God has put in your hands. And God wants to use what he gave you, not just to make a living, not just to raise a family, but to impact eternity for him. We've all got something in our hand. Let me ask you this about what's in your hand. Is it a stick? Or is it God's stick? Have you thrown them down? Have you said, God, in all sincerity, if I don't do anything else, I want to fulfill the purpose that you've put me on this planet for. I want to be used by you, God, for something that's going to live beyond myself. It's going to last for eternity. Again, there's only two things that will do that. What you invest with God and when you invest in people. That's it. Have you thrown them down? Or have you refused? Do you give God the same song and dance that Moses was? It's my favorite. Because we don't know what's going to happen when we throw it down. What if he doesn't ask us to pick it up? What if he asks us to walk away from it? Can you trust him? My head says more than you ever know, more than we do. Can we just be honest? Many of us trust ourselves more than we trust God. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I ask you to do? Because if he's my Lord, then I do what my Lord says because I realize who he is, that he's never wrong, that he never has a scratch-your-head moment. This COVID thing hasn't rocked him. <laughs> it's rocked a lot of us. He saw it coming thousands of years ago. He knew it. I'm asking God, what am I missing? What do you want me to do? What do you want our church to do in this season where people are frantic, people are running scared, people are rightly scared, whatever camp, listen, but people are all disrupted. Our new normal, we don't have it anymore. Matter of fact, we're creating a new normal. We don't like it. And I have to say, God, we gotta believe that people are more open to what you want to do in their lives than maybe they've ever been before. And I don't want me to miss this opportunity, this season. And I don't want Crossroads to miss this season. Is it a stick? Or is it God's stick? What's in your hand? Because we all have it in our hand. The only time we're guaranteed to have is now. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. Throw it down. God has a plan for your life like he has for mine, like he had for Moses' life, but you can't live out that purpose with the stick in your hand. It's got to throw it down and pick up God's stick. And can we just agree there's always something to throw down? 
There's always something to let go of. There's always a temptation for me to put other things in my life as my security rather than trusting in Him. And here's the key to the entire teaching today. If you're taking notes, you can fill it in. If you're not, I encourage you to write it down. This whole message, this whole passage is really not about the stick. It's really about what the stick represents. It's really not about a stick. That was just a tool. It's really about what the stick represents, what it really represented. Moses, do you trust me or do you trust more your stick? Do you trust more in your way or do you believe in my way? Because my ways are higher than your ways, God says. I know what you don't know. Tomorrow is a mystery to every single one of us tuning in or live. Listen, remember eight months ago when they said, hey, let's lock down for two weeks. We'll let this thing kind of go past us. If I were God, I'd have been like, two weeks, they have no idea. It's not going to be two weeks or three weeks or four weeks or five weeks or six weeks. And you know what? We all want to know when it's over. I'm just going to try to focus on the one who knows because he's already there. And not wish time away, but to say, God, what do you want me to do in the time that I have to impact your kingdom by impacting people that you love? That's what I want to do. Throw it down. What is it in your life that you say, I'd do that and that and that, but don't ask me that. That might be the very thing. Because anything, get this, anything that means more to me than God means to me is an idol. It's out of place. It's got too much value. God always has my best in mind. Always. He always has your best in mind. Remember a few minutes ago when we started this whole message? Remember I said, I'm praying this for you. And then I asked everybody to repeat these words. Three words. God, use me. I don't believe this is really just a story about Moses and God. I believe this is really a personal story about every single one of us that calls ourselves by his name. It's about God and me. It's about God and you. God wants to use what's in your hand, in my hand, my time, my talent, my treasure. Make it available to be used by God to make a difference for eternity. This might be a strange time, you think, and it is, but I believe it's right on time for what God wants to do through His church. It's not by accident that we've been planted on holy ground that was first purchased for $150 182 years ago. You're like, who in the world ever would have thought? <laughs> God knew. Right in the heart of the city that he wants us to reach.
within walking distance of people that are looking for hope. People that don't have a connection with the God that's in charge of all things. You say, why is God allowing? I have no idea. I don't waste my time or try not to waste my time on things I can't change or have any control over. What I do have control over in this season is the same things you do. My attitude, and Lord knows some of us got some good ones. Our actions, and Lord knows some of us don't always have those that are good. and a chance to share my story that I was once lost, but now I'm found. The fact of the matter is, one day we're all going to die. And when you do, we step into eternity. Every person you love, that's, that's the story for their lives. What if God brought us to this place in this season to talk to us about what's in our hand because he doesn't want us to go another day focused on our stick. But he wants us to lay him down and pick back up his stick with a whole new view of life and people and eternity. I believe that is what God wants us to do. And can we just agree, in this season of life all across the globe, the world needs those in the know because we know Him, His church. It's time. This is our season to be the church. Not to be overwhelmed with things we can't control, but to be focused on Him and His work. What's in your hand? Is it a stick or his? Will you keep it and hold on to it and it's mine? Or will you throw it down and pick it back up dedicated to him? God use me. That's the only person I can make that decision for. And so can you. Would you bow your heads with me for prayer? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your written, powerful word. It's not just stories. It's real events with real people, with real problems, real hang-ups, just like we all have. God, I pray for every Christ follower that hears this message, that's hearing it right now, that in our heart, God, you know the wrestling we do, and it sounds so right, but it can be so hard to truly do. It sounds right when we hear it in somebody else's life, but when the reality hits us and we say, well, you're not talking about really this, right? Like you wouldn't ask for that, would you? That's where it gets real. 
God, I pray for every single one of us. I pray for me. I pray for every person that's here in person. I pray for every single person that's listening. That God, not only we would be willing, but our actions, our obedience would show it. God, we're in a season Whereas your church, we need to step up and not step back. Oh, we need to be wise, but we need to be involved. Some can be involved, God, in person. Some can't. But may we understand there's not one of us that calls ourselves by your name that doesn't have work that we can be doing right now and this week to impact your kingdom. Use us, I pray. Use me, I pray. May we not take no for an answer. May we knock until the doors are open. May we call until someone answers. May we ask until someone finds us and says, good, we're going to use you. With our heads still bowed and our eyes closed, can I talk to some of you here that you look at your life and say, wow, I don't even know where to start. Here's where we all start. Has there been a time, a place, a day where you can remember where you've ever admitted to God that you're a sinner and you were willing to lay your life down? Lay you being Lord of your own life down to ask him to be Lord of your life. If not, listen, that's the stick that you start with. God, I am a sinner. I've messed up. I've done things I'm ashamed of. I've done things I'm sorry for. The Bible calls that sin, and sin separates you from the holy God that created you. But yet God wants you in his family. But he can't have you in your family as a sinner. And so God sent his son Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his son on a cross, shed his blood to spill out his blood, to forgive you of your sins. So that through his perfection, because Jesus was the only one perfect, you could get credit for his perfection because he's already paid on a cross with his death and shedding of blood for all of your sin. If by faith you'll receive him as Lord. And the only way you can receive him as Lord is to throw your life down, to get off the Lordship seat and ask him to sit there. (laughs) And it'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make because that's how you get adopted into his family. That's how, and that's the only way you get to heaven. You see, you can't earn it. You can't purchase it. You can't do good your way there. He's already done everything. You just need to surrender and invite him to be Lord of your life. If you've never done that, can I tell you whether you're live in person or you're at home, that's the greatest decision you'll ever make. It's the number one purpose for which you were created. It's your greatest need and your greatest opportunity. And no one can do that for you. Your mama can't, your daddy can't, no one can. It's what you do. Will you lay your life down and pick up eternal life as a gift? If that's you right where you're at, make this your prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, 
I don't understand it all, but if what I've heard today is true, I am a sinner, I admit that. I've done wrong, I admit that. I don't understand how all this works, but God, I am willing to lay my life down and me being boss of my life and pray by faith for you to come in and take up residence in my heart. From this day forward, you're my Lord. From this day forward, I will walk with you. I want to get to know you like you know me. I want you to use me because you know me. Every time, talent, and treasure I have came from you. I want to use it for your honor and for your glory. And today, because of what you did for me that I've received, I'm your son, your daughter, and that can never, ever change. And I say thanks. I love you. I want to get to know you like you know me. Use me, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody online and everybody in person said, amen.